Psychology in Seattle. So, Bob, I was looking at different things on the internet before you came over just to see see (laughs) what we would talk about. And one of the things that popped up is an article about introversion, 32 Things Introverts Wish You Knew on Psychology Today, written by Sophia Dembling. Oh. And I thought we would talk about introversion and extroversion. What do you say? I'm in. And maybe what <laughs> I'm introverted. <laughs> and then after, well, we'll see what this test says. And then if we have time, we'll get into maybe some other articles. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Bob? I am your friend from graduate school 25 years ago and a therapist in practice in Seattle and got to watch you play in your band last weekend. Yeah. That was, that was cool. It was a fun show. Um, so... I thought to start off, we would establish how extroverted and introverted you and I are. Oh, okay. I found a very, very short test. It's on this um, uh, website called testyourself.psychtests.com. And there's a very short 10-question thing on extroversion, introversion. And what's the rating scale? Like, do you, are you a 10 extrovert? Is that kind of how it works or what? Uh, it, it gives you, it, so it's a spectrum. Right. And so I think 100 is extroverted completely and, and zero is introverted completely. Okay. Let's, let's pre-test, let's pre-guess what our results are going to be. And well, then... I just did it. So I know what mine is, okay. uh, but what do you think yours is going to be? Okay. Figure, t- tell yourself what you think mine's going to be and say it in your head. And then I'm going to say mine in my head. Oh, uh, what I think, compare. what I think you're going to be yeah, based on what I know about you. Um, okay. I have a number. So, so zero is completely introverted. Right. A hundred is completely extroverted. 50 is right in the middle. Right. I would think you'd be a 45. Really? Yeah. I was thinking 30. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't see, you know, so what do you think mine was? And again, this isn't like a super detailed test, but I think it kind of gets at the gist of it. What do you think my number is? 75. No, I'm. I was fifty six. Fifty six. Yeah. Good Lord, what's a hundred look like? Um, well, I'm. I'm fairly introverted. I'm fairly extroverted for sure. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah. But I'm actually fairly introverted. I, I like doing things on my own. That's true. You do. Uh, I go to. I movies. never get invited to those. <laughs> I go to movies by myself. I'll go for walks by myself. I watch TV shows by myself. I. I. I my wife is also probably more introverted than I am. Yeah. And so there's, there's no argument there. You right. know? Um, well, so, you know, but I'm also fairly extroverted in that I like hanging out with people. Yeah. I like actually, I like crowds to some extent. Mm-hmm. I like to travel. I like to do things. I like to have conversations. This podcast, uh, I prefer doing it with other people. Yeah. So, but so I should be clear. Introverts don't, it's not that they don't like to socialize. No. So you, what you and I are doing right now is not, is actually compatible with introversion and extroversion because it's two people talking. Right. Extroversion, introversion would be incompatible if I had like 10 people. Right. Um, so I was attracted to marriage and family therapy, which is sort of an extroverted tendency. Mm. Um, but I also love individual therapy. Anyway, so let's go through these 10 questions. Should we define terms? Because the way I understand introversion, extroversion is not being a loner. It's right. I get my batteries charged by being alone 
That's an introvert. An extrovert, I get my batteries charged by being with others. Yeah, that's one heuristic for sure. What do you think? But, and I think that's, that's, you know, if you ask that question to people, do you recharge your battery by being alone or do you recharge your battery by being with other people? So I think that's one thing. Another thing is, is your orientation and, and the, the, if you think of all the things that you, that you naturally enjoy doing, like that you feel like you're not forced to do and you sort of catalog all those. And it's important important to remember that everyone's on a spectrum. Like no one's entirely introverted. No one's entirely extroverted. So you think about like how many parties do you do you like actually look forward to going to? Right. How many parties do you actually organize yourself and and plan yourself? How you know that involve more than three people? Right. How many times do you? How much time during the day when you have free time do you spend by yourself right. as opposed to uh, with larger group? So. But the thing in the middle that doesn't really tell you if you're introverted or extroverted is if you like to hang out with your friends and your and your spouse and your kids. There's there's nothing extroverted or introverted about talking with your spouse or yeah. watching a movie with your kids or hanging out with your parents. Right. There's nothing extroverted or introverted about that. And I think people mistake that yeah. for being extroverted. Introverted people have attachment needs just like anybody else. They just tend to like smaller crowds. They tend to bond in in and and their their leisure activities tend to involve smaller crowds, less chaos, that kind of thing. Right. So uh, that's the way I would look at it. Okay, sounds good. Now we've got terms defined. So number one, so you have to the spectrum is one through five here. Uh, completely true, mostly true, somewhat true, somewhat false. So right in the middle. Mostly false, completely false. So you got completely, mostly, uh, somewhat in the middle, which is kind of a weird way of putting it. Mostly false, completely false. Got it. I tend to be reserved when dealing with people I don't know very well. Mostly. Mostly what? Mostly true. Mostly true. I enjoy small talk. Mostly false. Mostly false. Really? You seem like a small talky kind no, of guy. No, 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 I don't like small talk. You don't like it. No. Like at the grocery store, you do you banter? I can banter at the grocery store. But you don't like it. Not really. Really? I don't it's not you'd like, rather you'd rather just Like I'm thinking about meeting new people. The grocery store is one thing because it's a short interaction. Because you banter more than I do. Oh really? I feel like. Oh, okay. Well maybe I do. Um but at the grocery store it's like a minute. Take me to a party with strangers, depending on the circumstance. Small talk's really hard for me. Hard for you. I do not like doing it. So, like, beyond the banter, yeah. getting into, like, what do you do for a yeah. job? And now what? Uh, yeah. How okay. about them fillies? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting, because you seem like a very comfortable dude to me. Mm. Number three, when I go out, it's usually with a large group of friends. No. Oh, this is most of the time, often, sometimes, rarely, almost never. Um, these days, rarely. I would consider myself an outgoing person. True or false? Somewhat. Somewhat. So that's right in the middle. Oh, oh wait. Somewhat true, somewhat false. Do I, do I get, do I get a middle? That's the middle. What's the question? Uh, I would consider myself an outgoing person. Is yeah, it? I'm in the middle on that one. Okay. If it's available. I eagerly share my thoughts and feelings with other people. Eagerly. 
So most, this is most of the time, often, sometimes, rarely, almost never. Almost. R- rarely, rarely, rarely. Yeah. I am very talkative. Most of the time, often, sometimes, rarely, almost never. Okay, question. In my role at work, I'm very talkative. Yeah. In other parts of my life, I'm not. I think I think you average everything out because okay. y- you are attracted to a job because you could choose not to do those things. You could also choose to, to be a very untalkative person. That's true. At work. Okay. So I think it's I think it's average out. Average out. Yeah. Cuz if you're super introverted, you wouldn't be a therapist who did that kind of work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should be clear about that. You can be an introverted therapist for sure and, oh, yeah. and work effectively with people. Right. But teaching a class might be a little much for an introverted person. Well, no, I'm yeah, not going to say that. Say, right? Because they're yeah. good teachers that are, that are... I have a friend that's a great teacher. Yeah. Really introverted. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to change... Forget everything I just said. Yeah. Because I know introverts who are... Um, who are absolutely teachers, and when you watch them, they're very energetic teachers yeah. and very seemingly outgoing. But as soon as they get a chance, they go home and they isolate. <laughs> okay, that's you. That's more like me. Um, so maybe like, uh, so when you think about the whole picture, given that, yeah, uh, I am very talkative most of the time, often, sometimes, rarely, almost never. Sometimes. Sometimes, okay. Uh, it takes me a lot of time to feel comfortable opening up to other people. True. Uh, completely or mostly? Mostly true. Mostly true. I get bored when I'm by myself. True or false? False. It's mostly or completely? Mostly. When I have some free time, I almost always like to do something with others Usually like to do something with others. Sometimes like to be with others, but also enjoy spending time by myself. Usually prefer to spend time alone. Almost always prefer to spend time alone. Sometimes one, sometimes the other. The middle one. Okay. Uh, last one. Other things being all, all other things being equal. That's a weird phrase. Yeah. Other things being equal. I almost always prefer working in a team. Usually prefer working in a team. Enjoy both teamwork and working alone. Usually prefer working alone. Almost always prefer working alone. Almost always prefer working alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's a <laughs> so you thought your score would be 30. Yeah. Let's see what it is. Yeah. 27. Oh, I rule. Yeah. An introversion. <laughs> An introversion guessing. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, subscales, sociability. Uh, oh, so I don't have access to that. But oh. yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, you, you really do know yourself. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, well, it's interesting to have, to ask that question of other people, how extroverted or introverted do you think they are? Because I'm guessing there there would be this natural bias towards the extroverted side because I'm not around, we're not around each other when we're being introverted. Right, um, good point. That's you, a great you point. You thought I was higher, right? Didn't I you think, did think you, you were higher. I, I like said a, 75. Yeah. Um, and I thought you were higher. So that must be, that's, that's interesting to think yeah, about. Yeah, you know, that really makes sense because, you know, when I'm hanging out with you, we talk, we chat, it's fun, we get along, it's good. But then both of us retreat to our corners. And yeah, for weeks at a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got to this... Um, this uh, article on Psychology Today, 32 Things Introverts Wish You Knew. Thought we'd go over them. Yeah. 
Uh, number one here. I need time to think things. I need time to think things we just talked about before I can give an answer. I don't do well off the top of my head. Is that true for you? <laughs> Look, I'm thinking it through. <laughs> um, if it's like something it's sometimes int- true, and sometimes the top of my head is probably best. Yeah. So the other thing I'll say is that whenever we're talking about human personality, we have to recognize that this is a uh, this isn't like d- defining the difference between a helium atom and a hydrogen atom. Right. Those are discrete things that are factually distinct. There's no overlap. As right. soon as you lose a proton, yeah. you are now a, a hydrogen atom. And so you can't... Stop putting me in a box, Kirk. <laughs> you can't... It's not like, think, and even yeah. if you are a 27, other 27s will be different. Yeah. Because human personalities are so variable. We're only, through these tests, approximating something that... Uh, doesn't really give you an understanding of someone completely. You right. have to take the, if you really want to understand someone, you have to, it's just a starting off point. Right. Um, that every moment does not have to be filled with chatter. Is that true for you? Oh yeah. Like if you're with someone, it's like, look, it's cool if we just sit here in this, in silence. Is yeah. that, is that something you find other people don't really get about you? Off the top of my head. Well, apparently, we're not going off the top of my head. No, it's funny because I'm coming through and I'm thinking about things. And um, I think I can get uncomfortable with silences at the same time as I don't need every moment to be filled with chatter. Yeah. But I don't think that one is the same as the other. I think I get a little bit of social anxiety. Right. And I don't know if that's the same as... It's not. It's not. Because for some people, extroverted, when they're with people, they get pleasure from back and forth banter, even if it's chatter Yeah, uh, and super extroverted people, that's what they want to do. They want to say something and they want you to say, you know, they get a lot of enjoyment from chatter with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Not wishing to talk on the phone is not rude. A character, it's not a, it's not rude. It's not a character flaw or a psychological problem. So is that you? Oh yeah. So you don't want to talk on the phone? No, not anymore. In fact, when I retire, I'm chucking it in the ocean. I'm going to get a can and a string. And if you don't have the other can, you can't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one because I feel like more and more as communication doesn't require a phone. Because, you know, when yeah. we were growing up, oh, you had to talk on the you phone. You had to. There was no other option. No. If you were going to meet up at a party, mm-hmm. you had to call your friend on a phone mm-hmm. and go, where's the goddamn party? Mm-hmm. Where are you? And they had to be near a landline, mm-hmm. which meant they had to be home, which mm-hmm. meant they, and usually houses had one lane, line. One line, yep. So hopefully, and we're both old enough to remember a day when they didn't have call waiting. Oh, yeah. We never had call waiting. Oh, you never had never. call waiting. No. We got call waiting when I was a teenager. Wow. Thank, thank God, because then I could be, I was, I was literally on the phone with my friends for hours and hours and hours to like five in the morning. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so now that we can communicate through text and email and other, other methods, it, it does. Cause I definitely have people that will just call me mm-hmm. like when they, when they easily could have just sent me a text. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're annoyed. <laughs> well, so I'm a, I'm a 56, right? So I'm, I'm right in the middle. So part of me is part of me is like, 
I was sort of in a nice, safe place, right. and this call throws me into this social world right. that I, I don't want to be doing right now. But lately, but I feel like I was, I was erring too far on that side, and mm-hmm. lately I've just been – like yesterday, I called my wife twice for things that I easily could have just texted her about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it just – it's kind of nice to just – get more information yeah. and not have to worry about am I coming across like the way I should be or right. is all the information, am I not missing, am I missing something? Anyway, so that's an interesting litmus test is yeah. um, would you prefer to never talk on the phone again? Um, now, obviously, if your spouse is out of town and and uh, you really want to talk to your spouse on the phone, that's a little different, I suppose. But yeah. anyway. Because I think a lot of the a lot of what this is um, referring to is like random acquaintances, work, you know, yeah. friends that you haven't talked when to. When I while. keep in touch with my family in the East Coast, is it by phone? No, text. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, introverts are not lonely. Is that is that something? Oh you, yeah, that's you, not true. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's they're not lonely. Right. Yeah. I mean, they could be. They could be. But, but extroverts can be lonely too. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. There's this myth that loneliness is introverts are lonely because they don't like to they don't like attachments, but of course they do. No, that's crazy talk. Um skipping down here. Uh da, da, da. that we need alone time to recharge. Uh, it's nothing personal if I go off to be by myself. Is that true for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I guess it's half true for me too. For sure. There's definitely a thing about that where if I have a bunch of chaos in my life, I I I tend like you know my band played on Friday right and the next day uh you know I didn't want to do anything social I you know I was with my wife but yeah. I didn't want to if someone invited me to something I'd be like I interacted with hundreds of people the night before yeah <laughs> like I can't you're good I need to I need to scale back right um, I, I used to it's not so much true now I used to have one day off a week where Colleen was at work on Mondays and uh um, I like my day off alone. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's another litmus test of like, when you have a day off, what do you want to do? Right. Uh, and you know, when you count up all the days off that you have, how many of those days do you just be like, Oh, I can't wait to just be by myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the phrase you say, but the right. activities that you are in your head. Yeah. Um, so, so do you feel like, you recharge when you're alone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, though, because I also, I I wish I had, oh, I'm going to say something hypocritical. I wish I had more contact with my friends. Like well, I'm, you're a 30. You're a 27. I'm you know what I mean? You're not entire. That's the whole thing here. Yeah. You know, so 30%, a third, almost a third of your, you know, a, a quarter to a third of your personality yeah. is, is extroverted. Extroverted, right. It wants, you know, that kind of thing. Plus... It's a separate thing to say, I wish I had contact with my friends, because that's not necessarily introverted, extroverted. No. Um, that could just be typical American, hardworking, isolated life Yeah, that leads to that kind of lifestyle. Right. And, uh, but has nothing to do with introversion or extroversion. It just has to do with attachment. Right. So that's just something to point out. But um, too many people in one room is draining. I can do it, but I need a nap after. Is that true for you? No. Yeah. 
Because I, you know, I don't find you, but I, I guess I don't see you after partying. During the nap. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. So I think, oh, here's one. No, I'm not mad. This is my happy face. What does that mean? Yeah, well, so they're saying that introverts might have resting bitchy face, I guess. Oh. Which, which um, uh, seems a little weird to me. I mean, psychology today is hit or miss. Yeah, hit or miss. You know, it's funny. I'm thinking about somebody I know who's an introvert, and I would never say she had resting bitch face, but her face can be a little bit flat. Hmm. And um, I've never gotten the feeling that she was annoyed, but I could see where that could have an impact on me or somebody else spending periods of time with her. Yeah. You know, like that's that Edtronic stuff about um, still face, you know, the still face experiments? No. Oh, yeah. With babies? Yeah, with the babies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know that, right? So, like, uh, still face could have that impact. It could make give a message. I don't know if I'd call it resting bitch face, but it might be that the expression is not, you know, on the outside. Right. Uh, extroverted people or... See, so the other thing is, is that not every behavior can be explained through the extroversion and introversion spectrum. No. Right. Um, there are other things that can lead to non-expressive faces versus expressive. For example, um, avoiding attachment style. Right. You're less likely to care about what other people are thinking or doing. And so you're not, your facial expressions are, are going to be a little bit more flat. Right. Whereas when you're more preoccupied with other people, you're, you're much more engaged in their face and you're, and you want to communicate with your face, what you're feeling. Cause you really want them to know. Cause you, you you're worried that you're going to be ignored and forgotten. So right. you really have to express yourself. Um, it's interesting as a, as a teacher, I see a lot of faces all day long, you know, and a lot of reactions to, to cause I'm scanning the crowd. Right. And, uh, pretty quickly, I can tell who are the preoccupied people in the crowd. <laughs> Be- because their face is so um, yeah so expressive, uh-huh. and they can't they can't hide anything about even even if they try they can't really hide what they're feeling on the mm-hmm. inside, and they just learned that when they were young that mm-hmm. if they didn't make it known, then no one would know. Um, so yeah, there's some other dumb ones here. Uh, here's one and, and we'll end with this one. Don't talk to me at breakfast. I have a whole night of thoughts to process. Is that true for you? No. Yeah. That's kind of dumb. That's a dumb one. Yeah. That, they needed 32 and I guess they, they got it. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of other dumb ones here too. Uh, like, uh, uh, but I don't know. Some of them seem okay. Psychology I, today is really hit or miss. It's I really like cool. psychology today, but boy, it sure can miss. Yeah. So, uh, in the last 15 minutes are here, uh, let's go over a couple other articles on psychology today. All right. Uh, there is no I in love written by Mark Travers, PSD, P, uh, PhD, PhD, mm-hmm. um, and what they talk about here is that attachment style is relate. So they did, um, a lab experiment. They would test in the participants attachment style. And then they would ask them to talk about their relationships. And then they, uh, uh, coded how many times they used the word I, as opposed to we. Hmm. And, 
romantic experiences. So they so they interviewed people uh, like, tell me about your experiences with romantic relationships. Right. Um, and I suspect these are all like, uh, you know, uh, University of California Riverside students. But, um, oh, they're autobiographical narratives drawn from, yeah. So mm-hmm. what do you think uh, in terms of the spectrum of, insecurity versus security attachment, avoidant, preoccupied. Uh, is there a difference between using I statements as opposed to we statements? I, uh, you know, I don't, I'm curious what they found out and I'm curious with whatever they found out has any meaning. I would say that avoidant people are more likely to use I statements than we statements. Preoccupied people maybe are going to use more we statements, but not necessarily because, so I don't know if I buy the premise here. Do you? Yeah, I was going to get to that. I uh, psychologists and I guess um, psychology today likes because there's a lot of different tests and studies that one can report on in psychology today. Yeah, that's true. But there's something about narcissism that is very fascinating to people on the internet. I, I think a lot of people have been hurt by what they would term as selfish behavior by other people. Sure. And then they want to blow that up into some diagnosis of, oh. of narcissism. Oh, right. So I think there's there's a little bit of that here, and I and also we like to reduce things to these very small things, yeah, as a way of being able to talk about it, but also as a way of being able to detect in other people, right? And 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 to think about it's a very easy thing to do. Like when I talk about my wife. How often do I use the word I as opposed to we? When my wife talks about our relationship, how often does she use the word I as opposed to we? It it breaks it down into this numerical thing and yeah. and and is seemingly interesting or helpful or gives us some power over things that we ultimately have zero power over or very no. little power over. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I or we has any meaning when it comes to the way people talk about yeah there yeah and what's the effect size but what they did find was that um both anxious and avoidant attachment styles used i talk as opposed to we talk mm-hmm. why do you think that would be um because both are um um ways of um dealing with safety of self right exactly so that's what i thought too was yeah. that when you're securely attached and you generally are oriented that way towards other people, then you're you're less worried, and that's the whole thing. You're less worried about being rejected. You're less worried about losing someone. You're less worried about being hurt by that person. You're more trusting. And there's going to be a natural gravitation towards using both I statements and we statements. Okay, all right. I'm starting to buy the premise here. This makes sense to me. Well, okay. And then if you're insecure, you're more uh, defended, as you were saying, of and more concerned with, oh, shit, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to do this? And you orient yourself more around your internal experiences or, you know, the the things you're experiencing and, and that you are judging of other people. And you're going to use more statements like, um, hmm. more I and me statements as opposed to we statements. Um, but I thought the same thing. I thought preoccupied people would be more we. Yeah, now, now that you're saying it, though, it sort of makes sense that they're not. Right. Yeah. Because preoccupied people tend to be more enmeshed. 
right. uh, and more overlapping with other people. And I think that's still true, but, um, but they're still, they're only enmeshing because, and that's something that I teach about in my classes when I do family therapy concepts is do not mistake enmeshment with love yeah. and attachment yeah. and bonding. Yeah. Enmeshment is a, just a, another orientation of coping with anxiety and stress and distance. Right. You, you get rid of the cells, you eliminate the cells in other people and you just become in this, it's pseudo closest, but it's not really closest because neither of you is really there. Yeah. And neither of you is really contacting the other person from truth and from yourself. You're, you're contacting the other person from these relationship rules. Right. Um, Nicely put. And so uh, people will mistake, you know, and it's interesting. I've, I've talked about this in the podcast before. So I teach family of origin right. uh, to first quarter students and uh, people, avoidant people are very quick to recognize that they're avoidant. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, yeah, I feel lonely. I'm, I'm pretty distant. Right. Um, I, I wish I had more closeness in my life and I, I can see that. Preoccupied people or enmeshed people, um, preoccupied people can be pretty good about identifying it, but the enmeshment is harder for them because, because the enmeshment eliminates uh, over time, the ability to evaluate uh, the relationship on its on its um, face, yeah. and the person in the enmeshed relationship has both. Everyone in the relationship has sort of beaten themselves out of the the process of evaluating whether or not this is a good thing or not. Because to preserve the closeness that they have, they had to do that, and so right. it takes until the end of the quarter for those people to, to recognize that kind of thing. So cool. Yeah. It's really interesting. It, you teach the class enough times and it's almost like, I bet you anything, the numbers are almost identical every single time. Uh-huh. Cause I, I have about 15 students in the class every time. Right. And it's always like, you know, three students are going to do this. Three students are going to do that. Five students are going to do this. It, it, cause there's this yeah. natural shuffling of attachment styles and upbringing. <laughs> That uh, it just becomes like clockwork. It's That's bizarre. Amazing. I mean, yeah. I, when I when I meet the students for the first time, I have no idea which one is you're going to be. Yeah. But in all likelihood, there's going to be two of you. That's and sometimes I even talk about that at the beginning of the quarter. Uh-huh. I'm like, you know, three of you are going to be the talkative people in this class. <laughs> <laughs> and and everyone else is going to both appreciate the fact that you're filling the space for them yeah. and also resent you because you're talking a lot and you kind of like talking. Um, but it's likely that you grew up in a, in a world where um, you had to do that in order to you know, have contact with other people and you were encouraged to do that and you kind of learned that in your family. There's, there's reasons why you're, you're going, I don't know which one of you, and I might even point to someone and say like, I bet you you're one of them. <laughs> I, I can tell already like, like you have a thing. And you know, you just, you just make it out in the open, you know, right. like it, there's nothing wrong with that. Let's oh, recognize, let's recognize it. You know? That's great. Cause actually you're, you're just in the statement of that. You're actually orienting people to family of origin. Yeah. Like, this is what you learn to do. Right. And it's going to show up right here in this room where your family isn't around. Right. Oh, nice. And another three of you are going to hate those people because right. you had a very talkative, overbearing, narcissistic family member who eliminated your space. Fucking and, sweet. And you're going to slowly hate that person. What a great validation. <laughs> 
Uh, let's go on to another article here. Um, <laughs> how much improvement can I expect from psychotherapy? Also on Psychology Day by Michael Sharinga. Um, so they did this study in 05 uh, on Vietnam combat vets with PTSD. And they, uh, f- so this is, so, you know, right away there's a problem because they're like, how much can I expect to get from psychotherapy? And then they do a study on PTSD, which is like, okay, you know, yeah, that's, that's one, that's probably 0.3% of the people who go to therapy yeah. who, and particularly combat vets, you're, we're talking like the, we're talking about a very specific population. And Vietnam combat vets is even more specific. And that was a war that America had a hard time with. And so the combat vets from Vietnam had a different experience than the World War II combat vets and the Korean War combat vets and probably the, the current war vets. Wars. Wars. Whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah. But let's look at the study. It's because I think it's a little interesting. All right. Um, So 62% of the sample had high symptoms. 34% had moderate and 4% had low symptoms. Um, What percentage reduction of symptoms did the high uh, symptom group have? What was the therapy? I don't know. Uh, was it some kind of P? It was a, must have been a PTSD, uh, you know, therapy exposure or, prolo- or cognitive processing or something like that. Probably a a, a competent style. All right, I'm, fair I'm just enough. Hoping I don't know. Well, one would hope. Yeah, I don't know. For what do you think? analysis. So, what percentage of yeah? Okay, oh. so the high symptom people. What percentage had a benefit? Uh, what percentage? overall average percentage reduction of symptoms did that group have? So zero to a hundred, right? Let's say 50. 16. 16%. It's not very good. No, it isn't. I mean, it's something. So for the moderate group, this is a third of the group uh, in terms of their symptoms. Uh, what percentage reduction of, of symptoms did as an average did they have? I'm not going to say 50. Yeah. <laughs> I would say 25. 10. Ten percent. Wow! Listen to me. Yeah, I and sound then, like a, an optimist. Sound like a therapist <laughs> who, who believes in what you do. Uh, right. And for those who had low symptoms, there was no average um, reduction in their PTSD symptoms. It ain't broke. It didn't get fixed. Yeah. I mean, I mean maybe this is an indictment on the particular style of therapy that they were using. I don't know. Um, but then, of course, they start going into "quote unquote" evidence-based therapy and stuff, and. Uh, you know, anyway, let's go on. Well, if there's it. anything we learn from that study, we learn, I better go just deliver pizza. Yeah. Uh, so let's end with, uh, one thing here, another psychology today, four ways to cope with stress. You likely haven't thought of by Allison Boynes. Uh, number one, talk it over with someone you don't know. Well, is that good advice? Uh, it depends on the someone, I guess. Yeah. What, what, what do we think the point of the someone I don't know well is? I think it's like... The way I, I did, I just read the, the, you know, it's like you have someone you know well, and that's great to talk with them. Yeah. And sometimes it's good just to, you know, someone that you don't know that well and just, just get some shit off your chest because there's a different way you talk to them because they don't really know you and they yeah. don't really know the situation. Maybe a kind of candor yeah. that can emerge. Okay, yeah. I got it. And I, I find myself doing that more and more and like afterwards going like, 
you said stuff to that random person that you wouldn't say to most people you know close to you, or it would have taken longer to have gotten there. Yeah. So I think there's something kind of nice of like, well, I don't ever have to talk to you again or, yeah. or much ever, and so mm-hmm. I'm just going to... I'm just going to let this out. Right. I think, and with, and you just figure there's not, there's not going to be a lot of consequences to this because we, we're not involved in each other's lives. Right. Similar to therapy. That's interesting. Number two, make a less well thought out decision. And this is ways to cope with stress. Yeah. Oh, I'd like that. Um, I can understand why people might balk at that, but I like it because I think stress makes people overthink. And so less well informed is probably informed enough. Just, just do it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Number three, consider not doing something you think that you have to do. Yeah, great. Yeah. Why be rigid? Um, well, I also think it's like, um, let's see, if I have to do X, I don't want to. Or uh, da, da, da. So I, I saw this as two things. One is, is why be rigid? But I think it, it also is saying, um, I don't want to go to that party. So I'm not going to go. To, I'm not going to go. Right. I think that's good advice. Well, the thing is, is both of those first, the second one and the third one are forms of exposure. Right. To not perfectionism and not having to be all to end all and, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Number four, try advice that seems too basic to be helpful. Well, I don't know. That depends. Yeah. Could be really bad, stupid. Was it from psychology advice. today? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the example one they gave is how is sleeping on this decision going to help me. Um, well, that is kind of dumb. Um, going for a walk or doing a fun activity for the afternoon isn't going to take my problem away. Um, yeah. Yeah. And? Uh, but I like that because it's just like, because I think people get bogged down of just like, yeah. look, going for a walk isn't going to solve this problem, but it might really help. Yeah. You know, like there might, uh, to yeah. be bogged down and like, Nothing, you know, in order for me to consider doing something to solve this problem, it has to be this monumental, obvious thing right. that's going to solve it. And maybe a bunch of little things will like uh, help find wisdom or get you through the tough day so yeah. that tomorrow you can get your resilience back or, you know, who knows. Einstein swore by that. Guy what? took naps. He took naps to. So did Edison, apparently. Oh, well, you know, they say people that nap live longer, anyways. I take a shit ton of naps. Oh, yeah. Big napper. Yesterday, I napped for almost two hours. Oh, lucky man. It felt good. I had I had 10 minutes snoozer. Did it feel good? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a power nap. I take a lot of power naps. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. So, so but, but this idea of taking advice that, you know, I, I don't know. The, the, the premise is that the person that's reading this article has no experience whatsoever. So advice like, go take a walk would be dumb advice, but I don't know. I think a lot of us, that'd be sort of commonsensical. Yeah. Yeah. I'm annoyed by that article there. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, uh, boys, Alice, boys, PhD, you just annoyed Bob Gettle. <laughs> so that's just, that's just, you're just gonna have to deal with that, Alice. <laughs> well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs>